0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 180 with Eric Lockley. I'm your host, Eric Lockley. And we all know that there are moments in life that can define us, crossroads that put us on one path or another. And I'm excited to chat with my guests as we break down our walls with some games and look behind their success to see what is the moment that made them? What are moments that made them? I'm excited for us to laugh together, to heal and be inspired together as we discover how our guest made the 180. And you know, we wrote a song about it and it goes a little something like this.
1: Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes it's a big change. The 180, Life will be the same but 180.
0: You can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. 180, yeah. Hey, all right. <laughs> 90s gospel flow.
2: Yes, I'm not mad at that. I'm not <laughs> mad at that
0: at all. Started off the space right. Yes, yes. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, y'all already hear him, but here with me, I have my friend, awesome, talented, incredible human being, uh, Nico Anand. I'm going to do a little round. What, <laughs> what up, what up? What up, what up, what up? I got a little intro for you. Oh, you do? Yeah, I I sure do. I sure do. But I'm gonna give you the opportunity to introduce yourself too, because you know you might want to say other things. But Nico Anand is an actor, dancer, and choreographer. He's a proud native of Detroit, Michigan. Everybody from the D always represents. They go hard in the paint for the day.
2: Yes, Um, they do. Yes, we do.
0: Nico went to SUNY Purchase, where he studied musical theater and was on the musical theaters, on the theater scene in all aspects in New York for for years performing and choreographing, and Nico was actually a director in a theatrical short play festival that I produced called 48 Hours in Harlem in 2013, I remember that fondly, and I have to mention one of my favorite stage credits of Nico's was playing Big Charles in the Hot Wing King. By Katori Hall at Signature <laughs> Theater here in New York City just a few months ago, at the beginning of this year, or towards the beginning of this year. Yeah, and that, that piece was incredible. Some on-screen credits include This Is Us, Shameless, and Claws. But most recently, and oh so significantly, Nico is currently a series regular on P-Valley on Stars. Nico's stirring portrayal of Uncle Clifford, who runs the strip club The Pink, has had many, many people talking. Uncle Clifford has received so much love and like truly your performance is being raved about. And I'm so excited that uh, P-Valley was renewed for season two. So I am just honored, excited, and so grateful to have Nico Anon as my guest on the 180. Yes. What's up, got, what's up Eric? What's up? I've got applause somewhere, but we'll take that. <laughs>
2: It's all good. It's all good. You know, long as your your listeners, as long as they subscribe and hit those like buttons and, and come on board for the 180, you know, hey. that's all the applause we need.
0: Hey, yeah, I appreciate that. That's yes. But how, how are you on today? You I doing? am well.
2: I am doing yeah. well. You know, I'm out here on the West Coast. I'm out here in California, uh, in La La Land. So, you know, there are some wildfires that are going on, but they're not necessarily um, near me, uh, but mm-hmm. you can... See the overcast and the, the smell of smoke. You know, yeah, so just praying for all those people. But aside from that, you know, my house and my house are well.
0: Mm, that's great.
2: You know what, Eric? There was something actually that you said in the um, in the intro since you said I wanted to introduce myself. I, yes. I really don't, <laughs> but <laughs> I did want to say. <laughs> I didn't study musical theater at Purchase oh. uh, because there wasn't a musical theater program. I studied uh, just straight acting. I was in an okay. acting conservatory program, and what happened was I was also dancing while I was there. Ah. I was, I was not supposed to because in the conservatory you're supposed to stay within those, you know, the the program. Uh, but I had some friends that were in the dance program. And I, I had been choreographing literally since I was officially since in the ninth grade. So uh-huh. I, was, officially. I had that, yeah, I had that itch. Uh-huh. I mean, it was official because, you know, I, I was blessed to be able to matriculate. The the, the career choreography career kind of found me. So that's just the short part.
0: We're in the age where I'm like I'm like, "All right, let me Google." You know, Google ain't always correct. Google ain't always good.
2: It takes one story to lead you astray. I remember when I was young and like looking for like college programs and things like that, and if I heard that someone went to a program for blah 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 blah, I do not want to lead people astray.
0: No, that that's that's understandable. And it sounds like you kind of made your own way in the sense of you said you studied straight theater but you were still choreographing you were still very involved with like dance at the same time mm-hmm. so that's a, a statement about your willingness to be like okay y'all said it's gotta be this thing but I'm gonna do my thing absolutely
2: absolutely <laughs> I, I, I definitely am a man that believes in not burying any of your gifts mm, you gotta you funny. gotta you gotta use them you have to use them yes message
0: <laughs> so now we're gonna play a little game It's game time on
1: the 180, the name of the game is... Talking about Motown.
0: Since you're from Detroit.
2: From the D, from Detroit. Let's go.
0: Detroit. So because Motown is also Detroit, Mm -hmm. I I figure we're going to do a little Motown trivia. I don't think it's too, too hard.
2: (laughs) Hey, let's just go. It's early morning here. Let's go. (laughs)
0: Let's try it. Okay. You got this one. Which group had their first U.S. number one on the Billboard chart in 1965 with My Girl? Um, I want to go
2: round and round. Wait, no. <laughs> the Temptations. <laughs> yes!
0: That's correct. Woo! Next question. Mm-hmm. What is Stevie Wonder's full first name? I, now, there's, I got some options for you if you want
2: them. Okay, multiple choice.
0: Yeah, got multiple choice. Here we go. Here we go. Go ahead. Stevenson? Steven, Steve Land or Stevie. I don't know. Is it Land? Yes, it is. <laughs> that was, that was I okay, you got that. <laughs> Which came first, My Guy by Mary Wells or My Girl by The Temptations? Seeing My Guy. My Guy? Uh-huh.
1: Nothing you can do to can do, 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 do my guy. My guy, guy my guy my um, guy is
0: the answer yes my guy is the answer and clearly I don't know all the words.
2: It's all good. I just I needed to I needed to hear it, you know, just uh-huh. a little bit to refresh my mind.
0: That is correct. Come on, come on, let's go. <laughs> you getting them, you you're knocking them out. I heard it through the grapevine. Who sang it first? Marvin Gaye or Gladys Knight and the Pips?
2: Gladys
0: Knight and the Pips. Yes. Yeah. you want to hit multiple things. You get them. These are
2: not actually easy, but I actually, I'm, I'm like, oh, I know this. Okay. You know
0: it. You know it. You got it. Now, this is actually my favorite question because it's a favorite song of mine that is rarely sung. A Motown Christmas featured Michael Jackson's song, Little Christmas Tree. Can you finish these lyrics?
1: A little Christmas tree, looking sort of sad and lonely, just like me. No one seems to care. They just went away and left it.
0: Blank. Do you know the next lyrics? Hell no. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Do you know the song? Not really.
2: I know the song, but I don't know it that well. Yeah. My dad used to play this all the time.
0: Bowtown Christmas.
2: That album and cassette are now CD. Uh-huh. He's still playing the CD. So, um, yeah, I couldn't finish that one. And no multiple choice on that? Well,
0: no, 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 no. <laughs> it would give it away. It would probably rhyme.
2: You um... see how they do me over here at 180 <laughs> you This is how they do me. <laughs>
0: So the next lyric is,
1: "No one seems to care. They just went away and left it standing there, all alone on Christmas Eve."
2: You better hit that little rhyme, "Standing there." Right,
0: but here's the thing: I I don't know why, but I, sad Christmas songs like do something for me because it's a sad song about being left alone, like a lonely Christmas tree. But I, they do something that is like. I guess it's just the irony. Like It's like, you shouldn't be sad on Christmas, but there's something sweet, okay.
2: Yeah, you should look into that, Eric.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, that's probably for therapy, <laughs> not for the 180. In 1967, the Supremes underwent a name change to become Diana Ross and the Supremes, and Cindy Birdsong joined the group. Who did she replace?
2: I don't know. Uh, no, I don't know the answer to this. I'll say
0: her last name, sounds similar to the word ballad.
2: No, we would be here for another whole 10 minutes or for me to uh, pretend like I'm looking <laughs> on my phone and giving you the answer. But I want to be honest. So, no.
0: It's uh, Florence Ballard.
2: Wow. Oh, yeah. funny. I knew that answer. I knew that. I knew that. I'm sorry, Flo. I'm sorry.
0: Baby, I Need Your Loving, was this group's first release in both the UK and US. Their lead singer was Levi Stubbs. Who is the group? And I have a clue to help. You Give want me to? a clue. So, Baby I Need Your Loving is the song, and it was by this group. Here's the clue. More than three started from the bottom, now you're here. More than three started from the bottom, now you're here.
2: Baby I need your lovin' mm-hmm. Got- to four Tops.
0: Yeah. Hey, you got it. Yes.
2: You had a brother thinking and using his memory this early this morning. Not even that early, but I'm I'm behind. But go ahead.
0: It's nice. You good. You good. You're doing well. All right. Last question. The Temptations have gone through many members. However, who are the two men who handled most of the lead singing in the 60s?
2: David Ruffin. Uh-huh. And um, David and Otis.
0: Okay, I'm gonna David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks is the answer, but but you know they were all singing. Well, Otis, that's true. That's true. You you won that game. Message. You know what I mean? Hey. You, you know you know Motown. You like that move. That was for the move. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for experiencing game time at the 180.
2: No problem.
0: And now. We're gonna continue to uh, learn a little bit more about you, Nico. I wanna I'm curious. One of the things I'm curious about, P Valley came out in June, right? Was it the end of June? What was the first episode? The first episode was July twelfth. July twelfth, okay. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of quarantine or a pandemic, what was it like experiencing like a highlight of your career in the midst of it just being different a very different? energy within the industry.
2: Well, to be honest with you, you know, um, you had mentioned earlier that I was in the middle of a production early in the year when this happened. And and that is true. I was doing uh, a play off Broadway on 42nd Street and 10th Avenue, literally in the heart of the city. Mm -hmm. And we got word one day, (laughs) we got word on on a Wednesday that we're not going to be having a show this night. And you gotta go ahead and come get your stuff from the dress rooms as soon as possible before maybe the the building is locked up. So literally from that experience of having all of this camaraderie with my cast every mm-hmm. night and every day on the stage and with the audience in terms of putting your art out there, having them receive it, you know, whether that's the the oohs, the ahs, the tension, the laughs, the, the lean-ins that the audience does, um, that kind of communication as a performer, I went from having all of that stimulus to literally one day being alone in my apartment with plants, <laughs> you, you know, yeah, it was actually very hard. It was very hard. It was something that was quite soul stirring. And um, at first it was like, OK. This is weird, but I could do it. You know, I grew up an only child. Um, I'm my mom's only child, but I have an older sister and a younger brother. But we all grew up in separate households. But you know, we're close. But I was accustomed. I say all that to say I was accustomed to being alone in in that regard. That I'm a, I'm a homebody. I can be a loner. That's not a big thing. Mm-hmm. But there was a point where it shifted for me, and that started to happen. Not just the quarantine of it, but it started to happen once the social unrest really started to mm-hmm. to really come about. And as more and more press was being done showcasing the the killing of our brothers and our sisters, it really started to really, really, really weigh on me. And I saw, this is a long answer, but to your question, the the Alvin Ailey dance troupe, I followed them on Instagram and they produced a version of Cry, one of their staple pieces. Mm -hmm. And they did Cry, it's usually a female solo, And they had dancers from the generations of the company. Women from all the different generations perform the the choreography. And everyone was in quarantine, Eric. So they were performing some on rooftops. There was like a 70-year-old woman still dancing in the middle in front of a church. There would be in their living rooms. It was all this stuff. And... After the killing of Ahmaud Arbery, mm-hmm. that was like the company's response, you know, in terms of the cry and that wow. choreography and that piece of art literally broke me. It broke mm-hmm. me. It broke me, not down, but it broke me open because mm-hmm. there were so much thing, there were so many things that I was feeling that I wasn't really able to process. or or that I was not processing, not even Mm -hmm. able to process. It was basically like suppress it, suppress it, because this is how I could get through. So in the midst of all of that and finding my own healing and meditation and prayer life, all of that stuff is increasing. It literally is increasing. And I'm becoming like a a well that's being filled up. Mm. Then I get, okay, we're finally coming out. The the release date is July 12th. And I was like, okay, all right, here we go. We're getting ready. We're getting ready. Because we shot this, we finished, filming in 2019 oh really this was now maybe eight months later or something like that Uh you know but because of the pandemic and things the date kept shifting the release date Mm. but it could not have come at a more beautiful time brother it was so so on time um it was something that not only brought us joy as a cast but i think that it 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 brought a, a light and a level of community to the Pink Posse, as I call them, you know, people mm-hmm. that really love the show. Yes. I know, calling fans of the show, they started calling themselves Pink Posse. And I'm like, hey, I'm here for it. I think that there was just a level of camaraderie because everybody was in their homes, but yet knew the familiarity of going out to the club. Mm-hmm. You miss the Fourth of July, you know, you miss Labor Day, you miss in like all the summer barbecues and stuff like that. So to be able to turn on your TV and see Pea Valley every Sunday and and to feel the love and and the hype, you know, and I think it's a very realistic depiction of what Southern culture is like. So it really brought a lot of people together in a lot of ways. So Mm -hmm. I think it was a blessing uh, for sure. And for me personally, on the inside, the pandemic of it, as you described, it actually has been indeed a blessing. I've been saying from the beginning that this was a peculiar healing a time for the world to heal a time for the the atmosphere you know the oceans had cleared up in the yeah. beginning you know with lack of pollution and it was it also just turned everyone's attention inward and looking at what they're doing to the planet but also what they're doing to themselves and their communities all around yes and in that for me artistically it took me to a place where i was like wow i was really able and i'm going to say am still able to experience this amazing, tremendous shift and blessing in slow motion. Mm,
3: mm -hmm.
2: Because normally you would be getting in the car to go to the airport to go fly to this place and then you're going here and then this party and then this red carpet and this da 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 and this, all of the things that I think that most people, people outside looking in equate to success. The things that people equate to having arrived, quote unquote, I am not experiencing and I am so grateful for it. Now I am in my living room or in my kitchen or at my brother's house, you know, Mm -hmm. talking to Vanity Fair or they're talking <laughs> to you know TV Guide and you know Entertainment Tonight and stuff like that, just like I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. The pandemic has really allowed, I think, a lot of artists, a lot of reporters, a lot of journalists, a lot of people who have access to to be on an even platform. Like literally, there's no difference between me doing this podcast with you and doing Revolt TV. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something beautiful about that. Totally. Oh,
0: thank you. And, and I think. Being able to really have that perspective on this moment is is important because obviously there are the challenges, but what are the things that we're learning? What are the ways in which we're growing, and really going inward, like you mentioned, is really uh, important right now. Yeah, and with Uncle Clifford specifically, she is such a bold character, and um, you have taken on the role so authentically. It's such a well-rounded character, truly. Since you had the journey with it from a play, a stage play, to the TV show, what was your, what were any of your concerns about portraying this individual? And once it was released, did you have any concerns like, oh, will I get pushed back because I'm dressed this way or
2: because of the hair? Those concerns went away um, in the very, very beginning. You know, mm-hmm. everything was so intentional with this project, you know, with it starting back in 2009, when I yeah. read the first pages of it, it was a, a, literally a, a collective of artists. Uh, that were are getting together, and it was called Black Mondays, uh, because, you know, theater is dark on Mondays. <laughs> and it was a group of African-American artists, you know, a group of actors, writers, singers, musicians, et cetera. And they just wanted to talk about, you know, collaboration and, and get ideas that they had for stories that they wanted to tell, but didn't have the space to do so. Let's just get together. So I'm I'm there, I'm reading, and to go from that living room to workshop production after workshop production to doing the full production, finally, at Mixed Blood Theater in Minneapolis in 2015. And that was the first and only production, is that right? Of the play? Of the the play, Pussy Valley, when it was called Pussy Valley. Mm -hmm. And we we knew at that time that uh, it was going to be pitched as a TV show, you know, Katori had that, the, the brilliant writer, Katori Hall. Yes, big ups to Katori Hall, yes. She gets all of the props, all of the props um, for the power of that pen, um, but she had the, the, the vision. She said, oh, this is much more than just a play. So going from there, that process in and of itself, and I mentioned that specifically to answer your question, because there were things that I discovered in doing the production that affected me personally, that affected my way of thinking. That being everything from the wardrobe and having the discussions of Discovery with the costume designer uh, from the play, having discussions with the director. Oh, well, Nico, okay, we need you to shave. And I was like, shave for what? Mm -hmm. For the show, for the show. I said, why would I shave? Well, you're playing Uncle Clifford. What do you mean? And uh, at the time, the director of the play, her name is Nataki Garrett. Mm -hmm. Brilliant director, brilliant director, and artistic director now. We had a whole conversation, and that was, again, about defining the world and the role I knew that this was not, you know, Uncle Clifford identifies as non-binary and that's, uh, you know, a person that is gender fluid at accepting all of their masculinity, all of their femininity. Mm -hmm. It comes from that construct of what would a person could, what could a person be like if, and when they accept themselves without um, any uh, kind of censorship Mm -hmm. and just being open. And I knew that that could be confused for a lot of things. I knew that that could be confused for being one of our uh, trans sisters,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I knew that that could be confused for being a drag queen. Mm-hmm. I knew that that could be confused for a lot of things. But I wanted to truly give credence and honor to the space for people that are truly non-binary or gender fluid, or even in some cultures, you know, uh, and like in in Native American culture, it can be considered uh, something like two-spirited people. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, there was just so much and even rich in African culture. You know, the Yoruba deity Olokun um, identifies as male and female and is housed in the bottom of the ocean. That's their place. And Mm -hmm. I just found that that was always just so interesting. And it was in the words, in the script and the stage description. But I told Nataki at the time, I was like, but why would I shave? Because this isn't a this isn't a. Drag show. This isn't a gay club. This is a shake joint. This is a strip club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I would keep my facial hair as a as a mark to people. You can't try me. Right. Don't get it twisted. And I liked it. I like facial hair. you know, facial hair, especially in the south, there's a sign of distinction with mm-hmm. it. You know, so there's a whole backstory behind it. That you know, and how the the the, the chops got cut and stuff like that. That's a backstory thing. Um, with the character that's explored in the first episode about, you know, some um domestic violence that Uncle Clifford had been through mm. and having that experience and having the thought process, it was literally because people asked the questions. There were challenges in the beginning when you were creating this play that I found answered these questions and put me in a space that solidified, rooted me so deeply in a truth that I didn't care about what people would say.
3: Mm, yes, because I
2: knew that. I knew what was real. I knew that when I would do research and I'm looking online and social media and I would see people that would put men, I would see men on male bodies putting on wigs and appropriating feminine uh, attributes and clothing for a joke. Mm. And it was for the laugh. It was for the punch. Right. And if you have to make your money, make your money. But for me, I just ask the question, what's behind that? Yeah, Because as I saw that for the, the, the comedians, I also saw real people, real people that do wear wigs right? do wear all kinds of clothing from different genders and different sections of different uh the, the <laughs> department stores and things like so i was just like those people need a voice those people deserve to have uh, a, a full story told you know and humanity shown so that's where i went to yeah so then bringing that to the the show i just kind of like i was like no, I know that these are real people. Mm -hmm. My goal was like just to show a real person, you know, to show Uncle Clifford for all that she really is. And hopefully that would eradicate (laughs) all of that and hopefully allow people to see her for who she really is.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I know I have friends and myself who like love it. And just being able to, you know, because we've seen stereotypes before, we've seen archetypes, tropes, cliches. And the fact that, you know, with the writing, with the directing and with your performance... Uncle Clifford is not any of those. Not cliche, not stereotype, not archetype. She is a full, rich character. And um, it's so wonderful to see. And speaking about spirituality, you mentioned that a little bit. What are barriers within your career that you've had to really access your spirituality or your spiritual practice for um, whether it's related to roles that you've decided to take or refuse to take, because it seems like that's uh, an important part of your
2: process as an artist. I think that that, for me, it, it is a part, a part of walking in this world. <laughs> I don't mm. think that it, it's not it's not my spirituality. It's not just connected to my art. It's connected to a, a way of being. Yeah. It is literally health. It's the vitamin. It's the <laughs> vitamin that you take every day, you know, that that tap into to who you are, why you do what you do, what you're doing it for, you know, and reminding yourself of that and seeing where you want to go. I think for me, in terms of career, I think that spirituality plays a huge part or played a huge part for me because there was such a long time where there was it was nothing but no, you know, mm-hmm. um I am returning to the stage, returning to the stage last year or the beginning of this year of 2020 was really remarkable because there was no room. All the years that I lived in New York, the majority of my quote unquote big things Mm -hmm. were coming from a regional theater standpoint or they were coming from something that I directed in New York or something that I choreographed in New York or people that I taught in New York Uh um, that were hitting up the runs on the ladder, you know, in the city. People knew me. Um, I had a reputation. I was able to feed myself doing what I love to do. But in terms of my acting and in a straight play, a play with no music, you know, it was like, oh, we don't have a role yet for, you know, the big guy. Oh, wait, wait, you're the big guy. But are you too old? Wait, no. Your, t- you, your spirit is really young, but you know, um, mm. you should go out for ragtime. And yeah, I'm going out for ragtime and I'm looking at Brian Stokes Mitchell is in here. I, I'm, 20, I'm 28. I shouldn't be in here <laughs> with, with him at the time. You know what I mean? And yeah. he's on a whole other caliber in terms of musical theater. I'm just the, the church boy that knows how to sing, read music. I could blend and I got a baritone bass. What are y'all doing? <laughs> you know yeah so i think you know spirituality is something that's great to ground you it gives you that fuel so you can keep going in spite of the nose
0: mhm yes yes that's yes in spite of the nose because especially as an artist i mean in life you're going to get them and you're going to get many of them but you got to keep going in spite you got to find something that grounds you so that you can keep going keep getting back up so is there a moment that you feel like you know Significantly changed that you had to make the 180. Whether career related, whether life, family, relationships, identity. And I know identity is a huge thing, as in, with all artists, identity is like. Who am I? Who do I seek to be in the world? And how is that related to the opportunities that may or may not come my way as an artist?
2: That can be really hard, especially when you are hearing those no's, when you know who or or you think you have an idea of who you are. And then everyone's saying, No, you need to be more of this, you need to be more of that. Um, you're not enough of this. You need to be you gotta be taller. They only want you know, it's always uh-huh. something. It's always something. always something. So you have to, for me. I had to, I don't even want to give advice, I'm telling my story, I had mm. to come to a place where the nose, um they they fanned my fire. And literally everything that I turned to from the no, like if I went to go do a play down at the Fleet theater and it would go out for this, and then it would end, it was a drama, blah, 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 after it's done, I want to do something else. There's, no, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> there, there, you know, at MTC, there were no shows that they, all the Black, the, the Black slots in the show, they were filled and there were only four of them. Two of them were women, one was young and the other was a 70 year old Black man oh, right. or whatever. So it was just like, if you in your 30s, you sitting around like, uh, hello, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. what what is that like? So uh, I guess a moment for me, it was, is related definitely to my career and to my life. And mm-hmm. that was when I decided to leave New York.
0: That's a big moment. I mean, I know many of us artists, and, and this, in the environment we're in right now, a lot of people are leaving New York. But that's always a big moment to decide to go to leave the place where you've been for a
2: long time. It know. was home. It, it was the it was the nest. It was what I knew.
0: Okay, so, Nico, you, mm-hmm. you had the 180, where you you were on, along this path, and you said, you know what, I think I need to turn around. And you decided, you made the big decision to leave New York. After how many years had you been
2: here? I was in New York, I think it was 19 years. So, And like you said, it
0: was home, it was what you knew.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Was there a moment that decision became absolutely clear and then what led you and what either made you feel really comfortable to do it or how afraid were you? How much of a leap of faith was it?
2: This is the condensed version. I have a dance program that I run called Motivating Excellence. It's a commercial dance training program Mm -hmm. Um, and it was created by the artistic director Rhapsody James. She is my partner and her being the artistic director and I'm the associate director, she was in... California. She was out here in Los Angeles and she was doing a show called Siren Assassins. And so I came out to help her with Siren Assassins in Los Angeles.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I was did the show. It was a huge success. All of the people there, you know, Pink, everybody, like their celebrities that came, blah, 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 blah. It was a big thing and all this was looking great.
0: Wait, I just have to say, because you said Pink, it's so funny. I immediately associated it with P-Valley and the Pink. And I was like, no,
2: I, I said pink, pink, pink I said, the singer, that's right, that's pink, my pink, the pink singer. not the pank. Not pank. pink, okay. not the pink. So I had gone to brunch that last show was on Saturday night. I went to brunch at the Four Seasons with my god sister on Sunday afternoon. All she, she, poo, poo. We're sitting down and I'm seeing we're outside. And it's fall, it's around this time. Mm. That's funny, it's around September time-ish. And I'm seeing the street lined with palm trees. And I'm sitting at the Four Seasons having my cocktail. And I was just like, this is the life. Mm. I said, this is the life. I, I, I I, I didn't have, I wasn't coming from the cart trying to get some warm nuts. (laughs) <laughs> you know, on the corner of 8th Avenue, right. you know what I mean? Yes. I wasn't like, you know, going like down the street, trying to get a falafel and running for the subway train at the same time. There was a level of uh, of living that California was showing me in that moment. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm ready to move. Because everybody kept saying, you got to come, you ready, you need to come. But my friends have been saying that for years. Yeah, And I was like, no, I'll know when it's time to come. It's not time to come yet. I did not have an agent. I didn't have any representation. I did wow. not have any projects that were leading me here. Oof. And so I just was like, "Well, what am I going to LA for?" And I said, "You were sitting at the Four Seasons, hmm. and that's why I left." Message. <laughs> I left simply for a station of life. Every time everybody kept saying, "Oh, you moving? Well, what are you going to do? What? Oh, oh well, what, what you working on?" I don't know. I'm moving to elevate my station of life. Yeah, and that's it now in comparison i literally i went online i bought my ticket uh for virgin air
3: Mm -hmm. it was a one way
2: for three months Mm -hmm. from that date wow from that month. so and i got to los angeles uh labor day 2013 that's when i got to los angeles labor Mm -hmm. day 2013 and that's important remember that okay so i go through the whole thing three months um, i'm getting myself together i come here i land here i I have gotten my apartment already my my brother was like, I was my best friend. I was like, yo, FaceTime me, go check this spot out. I heard this. Like it everything just okay. seemed to be working. Everything yeah. seemed to be working. Eric, it was the smoothest transition I ever had in my entire life. Really? It was the easiest thing ever. <sighs> All I did was pick up a phone and I asked a friend when I was in New York, I said, hey, do you know how you can ship your car? Mm. He is from California and was living in New York always had his California license plate. And I was like, how did you ship your car here? Because I know you didn't drive across country. I had an old hoopty. That (laughs) hoopty was not driving across country. But I was like, I knew I needed a car when I was in L.A. Pushing the story forward, he tells me that there was a a spot opening that he had heard of. Blah, 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 blah. I did research. I applied. Got it. Here we go.
3: Hmm.
2: I'm here. I'm going out. I got my little savings. I got my savings. And... Two weeks. I was here two weeks, and I went on my first audition. This audition was for a music video, and they were looking for dancers. I am a very non-traditional dancer. You know, mm-hmm. I am. A, I'm a full figured man. You know, I got. I got meat. You understand what <laughs> I'm saying? Yes. And so, like, but I still move. You know, and yes, I bet you. I, I dare any mofo. I'm the lightest one in the room. Even <laughs> <laughs> light
0: on your feet. You know, you can. Move, you you go. Yeah, you got moves. Yeah.
2: So I booked the job, Eric. My very first audition, it was a non-union situation. I was on OWN's production studio. That's where the audition was. So I was just like, all right, God. Yes, Yes. this is it. This is it. This is a sign. Two weeks in, first audition, first booking. Let's go, let's go. And Eric, I didn't work since for a year and a half after that. Oh, wow. I didn't book anything. Through traditional means, in terms Mm -hmm. of you know, casting networks, LA, uh, you know, uh, LA casting, actors access, all that kind of stuff. I didn't, I still hadn't had an agent, I couldn't get an agent during that time. But what I did get, Mm -hmm. I did get hit with a whole bunch of back taxes. Oh, no, (laughs) (laughs) I did get hit, yes, I did get hit with a lot of. I don't even call them problems. I ha- I got hit with a lot of life issues
3: mm. with family. Yeah.
2: My grandmother had died. It was just a lot of things that were going on and I was like, "Lord, why would you wait until I move to mm. all this stuff happen? Why is all this stuff happening to me when I moved?" And I just heard, "To prepare you. Mm. To prepare you." Yeah. I am a city boy. You mentioned, you know, I grew up in Detroit. I don't know nothing about no country. The only time I went camping, when I say country, I'm talking about the woods and, and, right, right. and hiking, that kind of, that kind of, you know. Yeah. Like I was in the Boy Scouts, but that was just because my mama was trying to make sure I had, <laughs> you know, positive influences and knew how to interact in life when I was a kid. But the, yeah. I, I, after the five mile hike, I was done <laughs> for that badge. After, so I'm done with that. I'm done. I'm done. I was like, I can't dance tomorrow. I'm too sore. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, back to this whole moment, I started hiking, um, because that's a thing here in Los Angeles, yeah. right? I had never done it before in my mind. I thought it was more like rock climbing, and I was like, I don't do that, you know? And when I actually saw, oh, you're just walking, right, <laughs> and right. it just happens to go up. Like climbing, no rocks? Exactly. It was too much. So I, I really, that was a, another level to my spiritual awareness and my mm-hmm. getting in tuned with My purpose. A moment that really hit me was when I was hiking and I was really, I was in a dark place. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, I was in a dark place because I could not find a job. I had gone to Target to find just a gig. You know, I just needed something on the in between so that I didn't deplete all of my savings. Right. And I was like, you know, I won't even go into the whole story about that, but they turned me down. It was the third target that turned me down and told me that I was in the system as a no hire. And I was like, whoa. And 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 the, the manager told me, he was like, oh, you have you applied before? And I was like, yeah, I applied to the one over on the Brea, and I applied to the one at the Beverly Center. And he was like, oh, you, it's because you're overqualified they think that you're not gonna stay with this job so that you are in the system just as a no hire, don't even. Wow. And I was like, that's crazy. Here I am, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm 6'2", I I got my muscles, I'm a big dude, I I can stop these shelves overnight and do my thing during the day. They weren't rocking with that.
0: Overqualified, yes, okay,
2: God. So that took me down a, a road. I was just like, you know, you got these degrees. And at the time, I did not want to teach again. Mm. I was very conscious that I did not want to pour into other people. I wanted to take this time of my life to pour into myself, yeah. because when you direct, when you choreograph, when you coach, you are constantly giving. You are giving, just like yes. when you're acting. When you're acting, you're giving, but then the lights go off, and then you can go home and refill however you need to. But when you're directing, it's different because it's talking with the, the producers, talking then with mm-hmm. the designers, and then talking with the actors, and then you got to talk with the audience, mm-hmm. and then you got to talk to the journalist. It's a whole wave of things that happens when you're directing yeah. and choreographing. So I was. Hiking Eric and I saw it was the side of the mountain, it was to my left, and I saw a little baby daisy. Mm. It was like the white little daisy, and it had a little the yellow in the middle. I forget the, the little the the uh. vulva or whatever it was called. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm I'ma let it be that. I'm not even gonna try to correct that because that was it yes, was the petals, the it's the
2: petals, uh-huh. but the, the the center of it. And I saw it and I was like, yo, if this little flower can grow out the side of this mountain a whole, like the, a whole mountain mm. and literally a flower the size of this pen tip right here, wow. right?
3: Yeah.
2: I said, damn it, I could do it. I said, I could do it. That's a sign, that's a sign. Yes. And I,
0: yeah, that that message, yeah.
2: So I just kept going on my hike and then over the years, what happened, all the things started to get into place. Things started to get in place for me. Then I got the call to do the, the, the play. I had finally gotten a job at the hotel I was working at a hotel overnight mm.
0: I used to work at a hotel I was a doorman slash bellman did you do something similar or were you at the I was at the front desk and front I was desk. the overnight auditor hey yes that hotel life yeah it's real Go but nice. it also
2: it, it allowed me to gain you know to have money to sustain myself mm-hmm. but also to, to access to people. Access to people. Yes. Yeah. So I was going through that whole process and the hiking started, it changed to walking around the neighborhood. Mm. I started to walk around the neighborhood because I heard you got to still do something different. You can't, you don't get stuck in the same thing. So do something different. So after it was, and that was, I'm talking about a, maybe a year and a half, two years. And then mm. I started walking in the neighborhood. After walking in the neighborhood, friends would call me like, what you doing? Oh, I'm hiking. I'm hiking. I'm walking. Oh, for what? For my show? What show? You booked him? No. Monica. what you talking about? (laughs) I don't know. I would say my answer was, I don't know. All I know is that I know that inside of me, it's going to happen. I did Mm -hmm. not know what it was. I didn't know when it was going to happen. I just knew that it was going to happen. So it was not my job to be in the space of trying to figure out the the minutiae of it. Like, how the wind, I was just like, it's going to happen. So I was just getting my body conditioned to be able to do the work.
0: Mm, stamina.
2: Yes, exactly. As I was walking around the neighborhoods and wasn't hiking on the mountains anymore, it happened again. And it's like, you got to change. And this is after we did the I did the play. I when I did the play, because I had reservations of even doing the play, question, not reservations, I had questioned whether I was going to go do the play for two seconds because. I was like, I finally just got a job. Mm. Got it. You finally gave me a job. Like, and then here's this audition to go do a play. I left New York. I didn't want to, I thought I wasn't doing any more theater. What's going on? Uh-huh. You know, again, the question of can I use your boat or do you trust me? Mm. Yes. Sidebar, when I got back from doing that
0: play. And that, that play is, is Pussy Valley? Pussy Valley, yes. Okay. So, yeah.
2: I moved in 2013. Two years later, 2015, is when the whole production came up. Mm. When I got back from doing the play, it was back in uh, LA. The job held it for me. They held it for me, thank God. Yeah. I looked at my pay stub from the the show. I was making $12 more from the play than I would would be working at the hotel. Wow. So there was a message. I, I know that looking back, that that was a determining factor for me. It was like... Well, in theory, you are making more money if you go do the play. Right, right. That was a confirmation. Yes, yes. yes. No matter how small, it didn't matter that it was only twelve dollars, bro. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter that that was getting eaten up in taxes or in your equity dues and all uh-huh. of that stuff. <laughs> it didn't matter about that. It mattered that it was more. So bet, going on. I get back. I'm moving, going, and, moving and shaking. I'm still in the same spot, Eric. Then I hear you got to change again. And I stopped walking in the neighborhood on the side streets. And I started walking on major streets, more busy and populated streets. And I kept saying, well, and when I work out, when I hike and when I'm working out, I always am listening to some kind of inspirational or spiritual gospel music. Because mm. it used to change me in New York. I'll be up in Planet Fitness, listening to my Kelly Rowland, listening to Beyonce, <laughs> listening to Trip. listening, you know what I'm saying? I'm just living my life. But here it wasn't that because mm. I was... For me, I was in a space of being accountable as a man. I was like, you grown up, like, come on, let, let, you want grown up things, you got you to gotta be in a grown up space. Yeah. And when I was walking on those busy streets, I noticed that there was more distraction. Hmm. And the, the day that I noticed that there was more distraction, I was like, this is why I'm supposed to be on these streets. So I can learn how to keep my peace, mm. how I can keep the same synergy that I had when I was more walking on the mountain, seeing that baby daisy. And walking in the neighborhood, and now I'm seeing people walking their dogs in a car occasionally go past, but keeping your focus, Nico, keeping your serenity, Nico, now walking on the busy main streets, how do you still keep your focus? And mm. I equated that to the same thing that when you're on set, there's people coming in to do your makeup, coming to do your hair, and you've got to have a seven-page monologue ready to go. Right. You understand what I'm saying? And, yeah. and how do you do that? So it was exercising that. Wow. long story short the end of this that i'll tell you is that seven years seven being the number of completion right mm-hmm. yes i moved labor day i told you to hold on to it and i did i was ready to bring it back i was <laughs> yes labor day 2013 you moved yes and the finale of my first series regular happened seven years later on labor day weekend right right wow okay i'm uh... <laughs> So when you talk about uh, a 180, I'm talking about something that turns your faith from a system uh, uh, of either theater or of television or of any person trying to validate you Mm. into a journey of where you are being used, where you are tapping into your own power. Every single thing that I have done along the way, All of those knows in New York, all of the things that were like, "Oh, you can choreograph this, but you can't do this play. Oh, you can't do this. Mm. You're not right for this character." All of those things built me. All of those things it made me do what I do. The fact that I get to play a character that is so full and rich, um, and it's not a tertiary character, Mm -hmm, um, you know, but that has a a full life. uh, I feel so honored. I feel I feel purposed. Mm. So it's um, it's a, it's truly it, that is a, a great gift. But this pandemic of it all, and yeah. and being still and everybody being in our homes, it truly for me it makes this gift all that much more special because for me not much has changed, right? Mm. So when someone responds to me on Instagram or asks me a question or if I like something, it becomes like this big thing now. Oh my God, you (laughs) responded. Oh my God. And I'm like, what did you want to happen? Like you asked me a question, you know, but mostly I'm just affected by the conversations that I'm having with the fans and, and, Mm. and it's in a more purposeful and intentional way. It's not, oh my God, I love you. Duh. It's not that superficial stuff. That stuff is there. That stuff is right, there. Right. But I mean, the conversations Eric, from people like, you know, I used to beat up on people like you. Mm. Talking about my character, Uncle Clifford. Right. Um, And having that kind of change, having the kind of change where people are like, I feel seen. And if I had seen you on TV two years ago, I wouldn't have tried to take my life. Mm-hmm. You know? Because there are a lot of things that people just go through. I think that, I've gotten a lot of women that I've identified with Uncle Clifford in moments, so it, it it goes across the whole board, and and even the people that are uh-huh. <laughs> pretending, and I'm going to use that word liberally, uh-huh. uh, to to be squeamish about some of the the topics of the show, or when they are seeing same gender loving people, right, in a human way that are pretending to be ruffled or disturbed. I just say that you know that you're not, because at the end of the day, you keep coming back, you keep watching, yeah. And it's not a challenge; it's a, it's a congratulation. Mm. I'm glad that you keep watching. I'm glad that you you having it on your heart, because I hope that by seeing Uncle Clifford's on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, mm. seeing Mercedes, seeing Keyshawn, you're seeing these people that have been marginalized in in, in every corner of the world you know yes, oh she's so a black well. girl with an attitude it's like no she's going through some things and she has been through some things you know mm-hmm. and and dealing with all of the the social unrest systemic racism all of the things you're just able to see these people for who they really are and have a little bit more compassion and empathy. So I hope that people are, the way they did with the fictitious characters, I hope that they can do their own 180. Yes. <laughs> and look at yes. people in the real world, you know what I'm saying? Like Uncle Clifford, like Mercedes. And
0: allow them to, to be beautiful and full and complex and and have their good days and their bad days and not Absolutely. judge them completely, Yeah, just... Associate them with stereotypes or with any negativity that has been thrown their way due to
2: white supremacy. You know, racism, all, all the internal racism. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? The, the things that they have to deal with dealing with inherited debt.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Economic injustice. Yeah.
2: Exactly. It's, it's different than generational wealth. There are so many things, and with the with the show, being able to tap into all of that artistically, it's a creme de la creme.
0: Yes. Well, uh, thank you, Nico. There's a quote that I want to share, and I just want to get your response as we wrap up. Because I think definitely one of the things I heard in your journey was courage. You know, having the courage to to say, wow, I'm sitting at the Four Seasons. This is where I belong, and take that leap of faith. So here is a quote. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. And that's a quote from E.E. Cummings. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. In your journey, you've continued to find that courage. Are you still on that journey? Do you find day to day, you're continuing to seek
2: courage? <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because I just had this conversation yesterday Yeah. with the a with the former student of mine, yeah. I think that you, courage only comes because you allowed yourself to feel the fear. Mm. Because you feel the fear that is, the fear is the thing to help you. The fear is the thing to let you know how much you want, what you see, how much you want, what you don't yet see. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have the fear, you wouldn't have anything to conquer, let alone the thing that you're going for. It wouldn't have merit because you didn't care for it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at the fear. um, And I think, courage is something that like is an ongoing thing. I have conversations with my mom. I had conversations with my grandmother and my father, you know, and they're in their elder years and they still have to find courage, you know? So if at 75 and at 62 and if at 35 and then at 28 and if at 18 and if at seven, when you're learning to ride the bike, each phase of your life, you have to find the courage. Yeah, I don't think it's something that ever stops. And I think that sometimes we get stuck and we don't keep seeing, and just using your show, literally the 180, you don't mm-hmm. see those moments because you get stuck and you're like, oh, I'm not afraid or I'm not, but you have to own that, own that so that you can then go to the next level. So you do it in your own time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it ain't no time constraint. It's just try to get it done before you leave here. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes,
0: find that courage and make those changes. Make those 180s. Um well thank you so, so, so much, Nico. Folks, make sure if you haven't already watched P Valley, check out P Valley on Stars. It is so great. The New York theater scene is in the house or all over P Valley. Like I know. Jay Fonz, I know, Morocco, Katori. Maria D. Foy. Yes, yes. I'm so proud and um, honored to like see my peoples up there, but also to see this beautiful representation of this community. Um. So make sure you check out P Valley and follow Nico on Instagram and Twitter at All Day Nico Nico Two C's. Stay all today.
2: Day Nico. That's right. I don't, don't
0: change. <laughs> all Day. All Day. early.
2: <laughs> um. Anything else that you want to shout out, Nico? I want to shout you out. I want to say congratulations oh. to you for this platform. No, seriously, because it's real. You know, I know you from the New York theater scene, and everyone always makes fun or, or jokes on Issa Rae when she said, you know, I'm both for everybody black. Or, you know, <laughs> you know, I think that, that that's great and everything, but she says something else that I think is really a great mindset for people. Network across, mm-hmm. network across. You know, I don't think that being on a TV show makes me any different of an artist than when I was doing the Harlem Nine. Uh-huh. For me, it is the absolute same because mm-hmm. it is storytelling. You yes. know, it's a bigger platform for sure. You know, yes, a a season is like doing a play a night, you know, (laughs) in in your living room. But there's something really to be said for really building your network across, not only to try to come up. That's not why I'm talking about it. I'm talking about for sharpening your own skills. I'm talking about from learning. I was able to learn from my, my peers so that it and their pitfalls, their their stumbling blocks. Help me and mine so that I can run a stronger race. Yes. So network across and keep on going. You know, this platform, all the producing that you're doing, you're an amazing actor. We heard vocalists, and you got a <laughs> and you gotta smile to make ice cream melt. So you know. <laughs> keep doing your thing, brother. Keep doing your
0: thing. Well, thank you so much, Nico.
3: Bye-bye.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, everybody, thank you all so much for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatment with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly. If you like what you heard, please make sure to tell your friends, spread the word, spread the love, spread the inspiration. Follow us on all social media at the180pod and visit our website, www.the180pod.com. And that's 180, the numbers, don't you dare spell it all out, that's too much. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed.
1: Know that you'll have a blessing If, if you just keep, just keep on, on pressing pressin'. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around The 180, yes, it's a big change The 180, your life won't be the same The 180, you can do it Say yes to your beautiful future The 180, yeah